0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. But the word of God, our, our text, our sort of a memory verse, and let's hope we all learn it off by heart, for this sweet series is Psalm 119, verse 103. And it's absolutely great. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Let's say it together. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth that's what the psalmist says about the word of God it tastes like honey everybody likes honey tell me no if you don't like honey don't mention it but everybody likes sweet things let's just think a little bit about the Bible Bible God's God's word some facts about the bible just in case you're not familiar with where this book came from Um, I mean I don't carry this bible around with me everywhere because it is actually quite heavy but this is my study bible but it's because I've got my bible on my phone which I can have in my bag and I can read it a bit more accessibly so don't judge people if they haven't got this with them but it's a great word And it's good to have a hard copy. But where does the Bible come from? Let's just look at some facts about the Bible. Because this series is about the fact that the word of God is to our spiritual well-being what food is to our physical well-being. Now unless any of you are fasting, I expect you've all had something to eat today. As in breakfast, hopefully. Some people skip breakfast. But you are all going to have something to eat today because we know that food sustains our physical body. In the same way, we need to eat some of God's word today because that is what will sustain our spiritual being. So there's some little, I'm going to give you a few little um Uh, statistics about the Bible but before we do that look to the screen here are 50 of the 600,000 words that can be found in the Bible here are 50 of them so the Bible is the best selling book of all time there's actually 6 billion copies in print That's how popular the Bible is. The Bible was written in three languages Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. The Bible has around 600,000 words in it. Actually, the King James authorized version has 783,000 words, different translations, the way that they compile. So it's a long book. It's a long book, take you quite some time to read. Some people read through the Bible in a whole year with a Bible series study plan, but actually it's not as long as the Harry Potter saga. Who's read that? Okay, so you've read that, you can read the Bible. It's not as long as the Harry Potter saga. The longest book in the Bible is Jeremiah. The shortest book is 3 John. And that, you can read it in one minute, So that's a challenge for today. Everybody's got one minute, at least one minute you can read that book. Um, You might not understand it if that's the first thing you delve into, but you can then learn the context afterwards. The Bible was written by people from different diverse occupational backgrounds. So some of the Bible's written by kings. uh, Some of the Bible was written by farmers then you've got fishermen, you've got a tent maker, you've got homeless prophets, a doctor, a professional scribe, vocational musicians and pastors. All different types of people writing the Bible. There's 185 uh, songs in the Bible Um, We love singing here in this church, don't we? There's 185 different songs in the Bible and 150 of those are in the book of Psalms. And I would recommend to you, if you're not used to reading the Bible, is have a look at some of the Psalms. They really will... um, just be like honey to your, to your, top, to your taste. And they, they really don't hide all the difficult things that the psalmist had to face when you're going through tough parts of your life as psalms are good. 21 dreams in the Bible. Um, a lot of them were by two men called Joseph who had dreams. And the Bible was written by 40 uh, authors. But do we read it? because he's all right having a bible this bible is often on the shelf in our study at home gathering dust well I do read my bible on my phone but there's no point in leaving your Bible on a shelf gathering dust. You need to actually read it and engage with it. So, The Telegraph did a survey poll, The Telegraph newspaper did a survey poll recently about whether people engage with the Bible. And among believers and churchgoers, it found that about 60% of Christians in the UK never read the Bible, which shocked me a little bit. And according to The Telegraph, only 6% have read the Bible in the last week. Uh, the Evangelical Alliance, which is an organisation which has members of evangelical churches like our type of churches, would be known as an evangelical church, uh, because we believe in sharing faith. Um, they did a survey, and 35% of the people they surveyed read the Bible every day. 50%, 57% of the people said they believed the Bible could shape their lives, and 73% of People said that the Bible challenges them to live in a countercultural way. Uh, that's amazing. And Ivy are doing a poll as well on Facebook. So if you want to have a look on the Facebook page, you'll see a poll and you can enter and say, um, It's probably anonymous. I'm not sure, Becca, whether you know anything about this, but um, do you know, Sarah? It's not working. Oh, I should have consulted with the Oracle at the back. Andrew, Phil, it's not working yet, but it will be up in the next week or so. And you can tell people, you can share your... It'll be anonymous, and you'll be able to share honestly, and it gives us an idea what we are, um, how we are as a church. Willow Creek, one of the largest churches in the states in America, have um, what they call four stages of spiritual growth. This is um, from becoming first a Christian or follower, a disciple, through to um, what we might call a mature Christian, a strong Christian, four stages of spiritual growth. The first stage is exploring. You might be in that stage at the moment, and that's why we're recommending Alpha. You're exploring Christ. The second stage, you're growing in Christ. The third stage, you're becoming close to Christ. And the fourth stage, you become Christ-centred. So it almost becomes an intuitive thing that you begin to be like Jesus. Jesus is wanting all his followers to become like him. That is the whole process of what the Christian faith is all about. But they found in their study at Willow Creek concerning these four different phases of spiritual growth that the most important aspect was studying God's word. So they have things like um, things that will help you to grow in Christ are things like belief in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then there was the belief in um, the doctrine known as salvation by grace, that we're saved by grace and not by works. That was helpful. Then there was serving in the church. That was something that helped you to grow. I would also add there serving in the world and serving in the community and serving in the the nation and, and and the community where you live. There was also the practice of prayer that helped you to grow and we're in our Ivy year of prayer at the moment. But finally, there was reflection on scripture and reflection on scripture was the most important aspect of all four stages of spiritual development. So we're not going to grow as Christians unless we know and reflect on God's word and value God's word. So let's read some of God's word together from Exodus chapter 16 verses 4 to 5 and then jumping to 14 to 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way... I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost fell to the ground and appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, "'It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat.'" This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer from each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they had measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everybody had as much as they needed. And then we jump to um, a verse which is a a book which is related, and a verse which is related to what we've just read in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. Be careful to follow every command that I give you today, speaking of the Ten Commandments, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land God promised as an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you out of the wilderness for these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you will keep his commandments. That's the important thing. He humbled you and caused you to hunger and then fed you with manna, which you, neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So this is often known as manna from heaven. And the context of manna from heaven is that the people have been enslaved in Egypt um, Moses leads them out of Egypt. They cross over the Red Sea. And by the time we get to this passage in Exodus 16, they've been out of slavery for about a month and they're led into something called the wilderness of sin, which is quite an interesting uh, name. Um, Actually, some of the translators call it Zin, Z-I-N, but when you look at their behaviour, the wilderness of sin is actually quite an apt name because what they start to do is grumble and moan. Now, don't at this point uh, think, oh, how bad are the... Israelites, the people of God, for grumbling and moaning because we never grumble and moan because actually we are exactly the same today. We forget, how many of us have forgotten what God did last week, last year, how he led us out of captivity, how he loosed our chains, how he saved us, how he's healed us, how he's put us in a community, how he's provided for us. How many of us forget that and begin to grumble and moan? I'm speaking to myself here. I get up in the morning and I have a little grumble and a moan, especially on a Monday. I mean, not another week. And. We're exactly the same. The people begin to grumble and moan. And who do they moan to? They moan to their leaders. Well, you can't moan to Anthony today because he's away at spring harvest. You You can moan to Becca or Sarah or any of the other leaders here. We have a grumble and moan at Moses and we were better off in Egypt. At least we had a pot of meat, they say. At least we had enough bread to eat. And now we're stuck in the wilderness of sin, going round and round in circles for 40, not 40 days, 40 years. And where's God now? Has God deserted us now? And that is the context of this passage. And what it then says is that God speaks to Moses because Moses says, Look, I'm in trouble here, Lord. I'm the leader and nobody likes me. And Moses goes to God and God says to Moses, I am gonna feed you. That is awesome. God Himself, it's not meat in a pot or bread and bread to the fullness it's God actually is going to rain down manna from heaven when you when you have had an experience as a Christian as I have on many occasions where God provides for you something miraculously I remember once we, we were in the ministry, we'd, we were living by faith or as some people call it, dying by faith. Um, we, we had no money, Frank was studying at the Nazarene College, studying theology. We had three kids or by then I think we might have even had four kids. It was coming up to Christmas and we did not have anything And it was about a few days before Christmas, uh, a letter came through the door and it had a check-in for £200, which was a lot of money back in those days when our kids were little. We were able to buy our lovely daughter Sarah a Christmas present. She sat there on the second row. She's not wearing the Christmas present that we bought. (laughs) But you know, we were great. We we had manna from heaven. Does, Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? God, not just just in terms of material provision, I'm talking about where God just does something that brightens your day, where he puts someone in your life that changes uh, the whole direction of your life, where he gives you a piece of work to do which is fulfilling and meaningful manna from heaven that's what we're talking about in this series the manna was like a small flake a bit like a cinnamon uh, cinnamon seed and the people would gather it up in the morning and they were able to make um meals with it. They were able to bake with it and cook with it. Um, And it was tasted like, it was a bit like flour, but it tasted like honey, which is why it links to God's word being like honey on my lips. It tasted sweet. It tasted like honey. And it was white, which I think is... Interesting, symbolic of of the holiness of life and the purity of life that God calls us to. He actually rained down 4,500 tons of manna in 40 years. That is a lot of bread. That is incredible. And the story is about our dependence on God on a daily basis. That's what it's teaching us. We need God's word every day. Daily reliance on God's word. Don't stash it. Don't store it for a rainy day. Use God's word daily. Now, um, in our house, a few weeks ago, Frank found loads of chocolate bars hidden in an old briefcase. So he was having a—it's the you know things that we dream of. Um, he opened this old briefcase, and all of a sudden, there was bounties. There was. There was an arrow, all his favourite chocolates, little bots of roses, um, some like um, Thornton's, um, what do you call them? I don't know. <laughs> Thornton's chocolates. And um, it had all these chocolates in this briefcase and he's like really happy. So he opened one of these bars and started to eat it and it had gone off. <laughs> Believe it or not, chocolate can go off. And when he checked the date on the bars... It was 2014, right? Four years old. And they'd been stored away, stashed away in his briefcase for four years. He was quite disappointed. Now, Frank's the kind of chocolate eater. I'm sorry, you sat at the back there. Everyone's gonna look around at you in a minute. Don't look around. Um, Frank is the kind of chocolate eater who doesn't scoff a whole bar in one sitting or several bars he's one of those ones that can have a little piece it's really annoying he can have a little piece and a whole this lot that he'd got in his briefcase would have lasted him a whole year so what happens is on on christmas eve we have stockings who has stockings it's a good little tradition. And and I always, no, not me, it was actually Father Christmas, not me. I don't buy chocolate. It was Father Christmas. Father Christmas got him all these chocolate bars and put them in his stocking. But what happens is we share a house with other people who will scoff all the chocolate in one sitting. So Frank hides his chocolate and that's how the chocolate I know you all wanted to know how this chocolate ended up in a briefing. That is how this chocolate got hidden and then found four years later and has all gone off. And it reminded me, This is a, there is a point to this, it reminded me, I'm not making you all salivate now because you all now want chocolate and she got us jelly beans, she didn't get us chocolate. Um, It reminded me of the story in Exodus 16 concerning the manna because what would happen is the people were instructed to gather each day enough sufficient for the day and not to store it, not to stash it for the next day because it would actually go off. Because God was teaching them reliance on him and reading his word daily. Because actually, we cannot survive on what God said to us last year. We we, we should be grateful for that and we should remind ourselves of that and we don't need to forget that. But we need fresh revelation for today to live the Christian life that we are living today. So we need God's... Now, God's word does never go off. The psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word is different from the manner because God's word is eternal word. But what this is teaching us is we need fresh revelation of God's word each day. Don't stash it, don't store it, but use it. Use it and allow it to shape and change your life. The writer to, the, to Deuteronomy said... That this was done to teach you that man does not live by bread alone but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now Jesus quoted this scripture in Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, interestingly, for 40 days... Symbolic of the 40 years that ch- the children of Israel spent in the wilderness. He is now in the desert for 40 days. Before Jesus begins his ministry, he is tested concerning the Word of God. In an amazing way, Satan comes and tempts him and tests him around the Word of God. Do you know what? Satan knows the Word of God. He he knows the word of God in a different way, though, than the way Jesus knew the word of God, in a different way than you and I know the word of God, because the word of God isn't actually actually about knowing it intellectually, but it's knowing it in our hearts and knowing it in our spirit, knowing how to apply it, knowing what it means for our lives, knowing what it means for our community. And, And Satan said, if you are the son of God... Watch out for that one when he starts to attack your identity. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. It's perfectly reasonable, it's perfectly logical because Jesus was very, very hungry, he'd had nothing to eat. And Satan comes and says, you know, if you are the son of God, make that stone magically turn into bread. What would be wrong with that? Well, Jesus isn't a magician. He's not Merlin. Jesus is the son of God, and he knows how to discern and understand God's word. He said, man shall not live by bread alone. He knew that because he'd learned the scriptures as a young boy. Any of you got children? Any of you got grandchildren? The best thing you can do for them is to help them learn the word of God, even just a little bit each day. Help them to know it for themselves. Regular study of the Bible. We find it difficult. Why why do we find reading the Bible difficult? I've been thinking a little bit about that this week. Well, some people can't read, or some people find reading difficult, but there's great resources. There's Bible Online, there's the YouVersion app that we've been talking about. You can download the Bible. Does anybody know the actor David Suchet who uh, was in the Agatha, Agatha Christie? Um, he was played a character, Hercule Poirot. Yeah, you know it. Um, he's just recorded the whole of the Bible. He became a Christian a while ago and I, I was going to show you a clip but we haven't got time. Just, go, just Google it. He is... He's, he's, When he became a Christian, his ambition, because he's an actor, he's got a beautiful reading voice, he had an ambition to read the whole of the Bible and it's been recorded. It's taken him months to do that. And it's there for you. And you can put it on and you can play it in your car or at home. You don't have to struggle if you can't read because there's so many resources. uh, UCB, United Christian Broadcasters, do... Something called "Word for Today," which I get directly to my phone, or you can get hard copy. So there's lots of things, there's lots of resources, we've got grow groups where we can help one another if we're struggling. I would encourage you to get a study Bible, because the Bible is not easy. It's not an easy book. You know, none of us find reading the Bible easy. I'm talking about understanding it now and putting it into its concepts. And we haven't all studied theology like Andrew Phillips, we can go to Andrew Phillips and say, Andrew, can you help me with this? But we are all taught to learn the word of God so we can get hold of a study Bible. But the, but the thing for me, which is the pinnacle of what I want to say and what I'm really, really excited about this morning is the Bible is not like any other book. I don't know whether you read a lot of books Apparently, the people who um, are really fulfilled in life and are doing really, really well and growing, um, there was a study this week that we were looking at, are people who read a lot. Reading a lot is a really good thing to do. Um, But the Bible isn't like any other book. You see, books can make you feel emotional. Books can be anything from entertainment to profound. They can move you. They can even... Cause you to rethink what you're doing in life and how you're living life. But they, the Bible is unlike any other book that's ever been written because it's completely unique. Why? Because it's a living word is it's a living word which can mean different things to different people on different days, which can be applied in new ways that even were never thought about 2,000 years ago. The Bible is unique and the Bible is a living word. And in in the Bible, the word, word actually has two meanings. One is logos which is the written word and the other is rhema, R-H-E-M-A. And that is the spoken word. That is when the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the Bible. How exciting is that? So the, literally the words jump off the page because you've been seeking God about something. Someone comes to you in the community and gives you a word from God, from his scripture. And that word has the power to sustain you through that season. Whether that's a season of you're in the wilderness like Jesus was and you're in a desert place as we were singing about earlier. Whether that's a word of um, direction. The, The psalmist said your word is a lamp to my path, a light to my path. Literally it shows me the way to go. This is the rema word of God. This is when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us from his word and it completely transforms our situation and those of, of those around us. That's why the Bible is unique. That's why the Bible is unlike any other word. Um, I, um, I'll give you an example. How many people has the Lord's... This is a word for somebody today... Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans for the good, plans for hope and plans for your future. How many times has the Lord brought that word to somebody and it has totally transformed their situation, lifted them out of the mire, lifted them out of the doldrums of life and given them hope? Because God says, "I know the plans I have for you it's amazing the prophetic word the word is also a weapon in in it, it we're told in Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God that we we actually put on the helmet of the salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the Word of God, so it's a weapon that we can use when we get into battle situations, when we're in wilderness situations, when we're in battle situations where we need to discern what God is saying. Hebrews 4, your word is active. It's like it's it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the ability to um, to discern between. Let me read it. For the word of God is alive. That's what I've been saying. It's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts of the heart. It has the ability to discern between good and evil. The word of God. That's how Jesus was able to use it. It's prophetic. It's, it's something which lives in us and changes the way that we live our lives. Um, a few years ago, we received a prophecy as, in, in well, I received a prophetic word from someone and then somebody else brought something similar. That often happens. Um, so on um, coming up quite soon in May, I'm going to be required to go to Windsor Castle Does anybody know why they think we might be going to Windsor Castle? I'm going to need a new outfit. (laughs) Any clues? Um, So I've been invited to go to the royal wedding. You are the first to hear this, by the way, because it's been sworn top secret up until today. I got my letter on Friday. The thing about it is, I was, yeah, a little bit shocked. Yes, a little bit surprised that I'm going to the royal wedding but actually not too much so because about three years ago somebody spoke that to me they said there was a connection with the royal family they I've written all the words I'm not going to share you the whole prophecy but I have had that given so even you know when the invitation comes or when the thing happens God has spoken it God has spoken to you God has spoken personally a word over your life or maybe several words. A lady came to me and she doesn't want me to say who it is but a lady came to me this morning and she said don't call me onto the platform Deborah don't because she knows what I'm like and she said to me a few weeks ago a word was spoken to me and she said now I'm living in that word that was spoken and God, she asked God to speak to her and God spoke to her in a really profound way when she was out for a walk. She said, give me a sign. And she, she, she I've got to be careful, I don't give it away. And she saw this massive rainbow over where she lives. When God speaks, God's word is living, it's active let's get the band back up and let's really wait on the Lord just for a few minutes as we close because Becca challenged us before to share with one another what is the Holy Spirit, Spirit saying we can take a few minutes just to listen and to say yes Lord there's, there's somebody here who, um, a few of you I think whose word is yet to be fulfilled I just want to encourage you, God hasn't forgotten about that word because some words are maybe 10 years ago that he spoke it, maybe even longer. He's still actively working on that because he's waiting for the season and he knows the right season for you. So I just want to encourage you, if that's you, let's close our eyes. If that's you, could you just raise a hand because I just want to pray for you. If you're waiting for the fulfillment of a word, quite a number of people Lord we pray today that we will be people who receive your word who live in your word who live out your word who do the word as well as hear the word would you fulfill the prophetic word over this church over those that have poured out their hearts to you right now there's there's something coming to you and remember what I said a few weeks ago when it looks a little bit different, but actually God might have a better plan. Graham and Wendy, feel this for you. You're frustrated about what you've been waiting for. God has actually got something better. He has got something better and he's working in your hearts so that you can receive it. Lord we we pray God that your word will dwell in us richly that we will read it we will live it and we believe it and your word is like honey your word is sweet Amen I'm happy to pray with anyone if you want to come to the front if the ministry team will come down as well let's do that